This morning we're going to talk about leadership matters. Because leadership matters. You know, this week was an election week. And uh, here in our country we elected, or in some cases re-elected, a new set of leaders. Uh, how much does leadership matter to you? And you might be able to gauge that by a couple of things. Number one, maybe by how your blood pressure jumped when I mentioned the election, right? Maybe, maybe your blood pressure jumped because you're thrilled with how the election went, or maybe you're really anxious about how it went. You, uh, you also can judge this by, uh, maybe how distracted you'll be now in the sermon since I mentioned the election again. Okay. So that kind of gauges how much does this leadership thing matter to you? Leadership matters. You know, many of us feel strongly about these leaders that we've chosen or that others have chosen uh, for us. So leadership matters to us. And, you know, as Miguel said, uh, one word of encouragement again from and this actually comes from our prayer handbook that we're going through. If you're new and don't have one, you can grab a copy in the back. Uh, but this actually comes from one of the prayers for today. It's from Psalm 138. And it says this. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. I thought this morning as I read that, what a great reminder that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is still on his throne. No matter who gets elected here or in Russia or anywhere else in the world, the King of Kings is still on his throne, and we can be thankful for that. But back to leadership. Today is actually a really significant day in the life of Trinity Church. Once a year, we do this uh, process of, of approving and affirming new leadership. Uh, old elders roll off and new ones roll on. And so this, this morning after the service, we're going to have the chance to affirm these people. Leadership matters. And God says in the church especially, when you read the book of Acts, leadership is incredibly important. In fact, that's what our text is about. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 20. And Paul is giving instructions to the leaders of the church. Because leaders matter. And leadership matters. You know, we have all heard powerful examples of failed leaders, right? And we all know what happens when leadership fails. There's so many examples of that. But if you can think about it, you've also seen examples of good, godly, faithful leadership and how powerful it is when God takes a man or a woman and puts them in a position of leadership and they remain faithful and what God can do to change people's lives, change people's hearts for all eternity through good leaders. And so leadership in the church is so important. You know, I want to give a special challenge this morning to the leadership of this church. Those who are currently leaders, uh, the elders who serve with me, the ones who, Lord willing, will be rolling on to the elder board, the ones who are rolling off. But I'm not just talking to elders. Although this, the, the words that Paul gives here in Acts 20 are to elders, I actually think they apply to anyone in any position of leadership. You can, you can gain from this. You might say, I'm not a leader at Trinity Church right now. That's fine. Uh, but God may be preparing you. To lead here one day. And so listen as we look at, at these things today. Uh, you might even say, well, I'm just not a leader, period. You might say, I'm, I'm retired. Nobody reports to me anymore. I don't lead anybody except myself. Or you might say, uh, uh, I'm an employee. My employer tells me what to do. I don't lead anything at work. Or you might even say, I'm, I stay at home with, I'm a stay at home mom. I don't lead anything. Well, the reality is all of us have influence over others, whether you're a mom, whether you're retired, whatever your situation in life is, you have influence over others. And so the message about church leadership will apply to you in whatever area of influence and leadership you have today. So these leadership matters are important for us to look at. 
You know, in fact, this morning, as we look at this text, what we're going to see, and if you have your bulletin or if you're watching online, you can pull this bulletin up online. Uh, there are six different qualities of a leader, of a faithful leader that we're going to be looking at that come directly out of this text today. Uh, these are qualities that God desires of people in leadership in his church. Remember, God is building his kingdom and he's using the church to do that. And so these are the qualities that he wants the leaders to have in his church. And I think as we look at them, you'll, you'll agree that they're actually really important qualities, not just for leaders, but for any follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're going this morning to look at leadership matters and follow along. If you're in your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 17 through 38. And uh, as we read through this, I'm going to pause once or twice. But one thing you'll notice is Paul says, Here's what a leader should behave like. Here's the qualities a leader should have. And he does this in two ways. He says, first of all, look at my example. I've been faithfully leading you so you can learn some things from me. And then he also says, let me also just give you some exhortation, some encouragement uh, from God. And so he does it through his example and he gives it through his his encouragement as well. So follow along as I read uh, verses 17 through 38. So it says this. Now from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. I'm going to pause right there because whenever you read in the Bible and it throws out a name like Miletus and Ephesus, all of a sudden we're in the dark. We don't know what he's talking about, do we? So Paul, uh, last week we were in Acts chapter 15 and Paul was about to go out on this journey to tell all of Asia about Jesus. Well, in chapters 15 through 20, that's exactly what he did. He went around to all these different cities throughout the Roman Empire. Ephesus was one of those cities. And we look back at the the previous verse, verse 16. Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Why am I mentioning all this? It's just interesting how Acts gives us point by point. This is real life. It's like Paul's travel itinerary. He wanted to talk to the people in Ephesus, but he said, I don't have time to go there. It's kind of like if I said, I need to drop off something down in Mandeville, but if I go down there, I'm not going to be on time to run carpool for my kids, so I can't do that. Can I just get somebody to meet me at the church? And that's what he does. He says, come meet me at Miletus. I want to, I have an important message I want to give you on my way to Jerusalem, so come meet me. This place is about 30 miles from Jerusalem, so we know that. So that's what he's doing. He says, I got an important message for you as leaders, uh, so come and meet me. So verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await me. Let's push pause there. So real quick, what Paul's saying is, this is my farewell speech to y'all. I'm probably never going to see you again. So I have some important things I want to tell you. And that's why I've called you here to the city of Miletus. This is an important meeting. So verse 24, what does he say? But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now 
Behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that you must, by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Acts 20, verses 17 through 38. So what I just read through there is Paul's farewell address to this key group of leaders, these elders who are at Ephesus. He called them overseers. In the New Testament, the word overseers, elders, uh, bishops, uh, and pastors are all kind of used interchangeably to talk about the leadership people in the church, the leaders in the church, the, the office of elder and pastor. And Paul says, I want you to see that there are some really important qualities that every leader in the church should have. Again, both from my example and also just from the words I'm going to give you. And so that's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time here today is these six qualities. What does a leader demonstrate? Six matters that are very important for a leader. And the first one is this. A leader in the church is faithful to serve. A leader in the church is faithful to serve. Go all the way back to verse 19. It says, verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility. And he goes on to talk about his trials. That word serving, when he says I was serving the Lord, that's literally a word almost like saying slaving to the Lord. I'm basically doing whatever my master, the Lord, tells me to do. And this is important for us to realize. Any leader who's in leadership is there, yes, to serve people, but you serve the Lord by serving people. Ultimately, remember who it is you're called to serve, and that is to serve the Lord. He says, I'm a servant, I'm a slave to the Lord. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything you do is to serve the Lord. That's important to remember. It's important to remember you're not serving yourself. As a leader, as a Christian, you are not here to serve yourself. I remember the example that Jesus set for us. Philippians 2 talks about, have this mind in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. You're not serving yourself. And remember, you're not just serving others, although you are serving others. You're serving the Lord by serving others. 
You know, one of the most powerful examples of, of serving is, that we have is, is what Jesus did. The humility he demonstrates, that word humility is in there. It means thinking of yourself less. Not necessarily thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. If you were to just, I wonder what it would be like, right, if, if we had a clock in each of our, you know, you have this on your phone, this thing called screen time. If you ever go look at it, it'll tell you you spent two hours this week on messages. You spent three hours browsing Facebook, whatever. It'll give you a list. And I'm curious what it would be like if, if we had one of those meters on our head that said, this is the amount of minutes you spent thinking about yourself, and this is the amount of minutes you spent thinking about others. How lopsided might that be? But that's what humility is. It's putting the needs of others above your own. Thinking of others first. And Paul says a faithful serving leader is going to be a humble leader. Somebody who thinks of others. Verses 34 and 35. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those that were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard... In this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He says a a serving leader is somebody who's going to be working hard. Sometimes serving looks like working hard. So brothers and sisters, if you're a leader, if you're leading someone, it's hard work. It's humble work. But we are called to serve the Lord by serving others. Again, the example we have from Jesus. Remember his farewell speech in John chapter 13? Where he washed his disciples' feet. I want to just read a couple of these verses to what he said to his disciples. And again, this was him uh, on the last night before he was betrayed and crucified. He chose to spend his time washing his disciples' feet. And here's what he said to them after he had done that. This is from John chapter 13, verses 12 through 16. Jesus said, or it says this, when he had washed their feet, And put on his outer garments and resumed his place at the table. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then your teacher and Lord have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus' parting words to his disciples were, go out and serve others. Serve them by loving them. You will serve the Lord by serving others. You will love God by loving others. And that's the first thing that he says to leaders here in in, uh, Acts chapter 20. They are faithful to serve. Others focused. The second quality we have, though, is that that Paul says... a leader in the church will be faithful to declare. Faithful to declare. And what am I talking about? Faithful to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, when does Paul do that? It's all throughout this passage. Did you hear it as I read that? How many times he says, I spoke the gospel. I spoke the good news. I'm a leader in the church and God has called me to speak the good news. Look at verses 20 and 21. This is where Paul is just going down the list and saying, really, there's almost nothing he did without proclaiming the gospel. It says this, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. It's interesting. It doesn't matter where he was. He was in houses sometimes. If you go back and read the earlier chapters of Acts, sometimes he was in big 
public halls, rooms bigger than this probably, speaking in the forums. Next week, we're actually going to go back to Acts chapter 17 uh, and look at where he, he addressed the, the Areopagus uh, in Athens. So wherever he was, he was faithful to declare, to teach. Verse 24. Verse 24 is really the key verse in this passage, by the way. We're going to come back to it again. But he says this at the end. He says, I may finish my course in the ministry I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I have one job, and that is to tell people about what Jesus has done. He died in my place, even though I didn't deserve it. That's grace. And I want to share that with you. So Paul says, I am faithful to declare. Uh, Verse 27 Verse 27, it says, for I did not shrink. This is exactly the same thing he said earlier. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That means the whole scripture. He doesn't just pick his favorite parts, but he says all of scripture points to Jesus and points to you to know Jesus, how to follow Jesus. And I didn't shrink from declaring any of that. You know, here at Trinity Church, we make a big deal out of the word of God. Because that's the tool that God has given us to know him and to follow him. And we make it a priority to teach and preach the whole counsel of the word of God as well. I find it incredibly encouraging that this passage came up on the week that we're uh, affirming our new elders. Uh, God's timing, when you preach through the whole counsel of God, it's amazing how God brings up the things in a timely fashion. And the issues are covered as they come up in scripture. But what a great... Again, God's timing is great here. The whole counsel of God, verses 31 and 32, talks about him declaring the word of grace, the words of grace. Paul is faithful to declare. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, this is one of the great times that he declares the gospel. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's his message. You know, we've talked in the book of Acts a lot about, it says so-and-so opened his mouth, or he opened his mouth and told them about Jesus. And that's the big challenge for a leader in the church, is to be faithful to declare. It might not be up here on the stage declaring to the entire congregation. It might be one-on-one with somebody else from the church. It might be with a neighbor you know, that you can declare, you can share God's truth with them and share God's love with them. You have the greatest thing in the universe. That's the cure for sin. That's what Paul did. He was faithful to declare. The third quality we want to look at is that it says that a leader in the church is faithful to go. Faithful to go. Well, what are we talking about here? Uh, Let's look at verses 22 and 23. Okay, Paul says he was faithful to go. He says, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that imprisonments and afflictions await me. All right. So he says, God's told me to go. He hasn't told me what's going to happen except hard things, but I'm going to go where God's told me to go. What an example for us. You may have seen a map like this before. Some some of you in the back of your Bibles have some of these maps. This is actually a map of Paul's missionary journeys is what we call them. So he went out and he said, my goal is to tell as many people about the good news of Jesus as I possibly can. That's what God's asked me to do. And so this map, you see a lot of squiggly lines looping around. He covered 
a gigantic part of the Roman Empire, just telling people from city to city about the Lord. Three different journeys he went on. The one that we're talking about right now, he's actually kind of near the end of his third journey. So where would, where, where did he go? Where was he called to go? God revealed to him where he wanted him to go, to the Gentiles. No matter what the cost, Paul says, I'm going to be faithful to go. So that begs the question, where is God calling you to go? If you're a leader in this church, where is God calling you to go? For those of you guys who are uh, feeling called that God has said he wants you to serve as an elder here, then he's called you to go here for this season of life, to serve in this church and in this context. And as part of that, he may ask you to go other places as well. Sometimes God calls people to go around the world. Some of you sitting in this room might be called to go elsewhere in the world. Or you might be called to go to the soccer field where your kids are playing games or the baseball field. Go and declare to the people there. Get to know them. Go and multiply. Where is God calling you to go? Remember, the goal is multiplication. God says, I want more and more people to know the truth about Jesus so that more and more people can be rescued for all eternity. God may be calling you to missions. He may be calling you to a soccer field. He may be calling you to your neighbor's yard. We have some ongoing opportunities with Lake Charles. We have mission partners in New Orleans. Um, One of the great things about being a part of a church is we have partners through our missions team where we can actually go and serve right here in this area in places that need it with partners who can follow up and, and share the gospel with people. Where is God calling you to go and will you be faithful to go? In your workplace? Whatever it might be, God says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, wherever you go, go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So faithful to serve, faithful to declare, faithful to go, and faithful to sacrifice. That's the fourth quality of a leader that we see here with Paul's description, faithful to sacrifice. And we see this in verses 23 and 24. We already read about how there's going to be afflictions and imprisonments. Now, if you read through the the book of Acts, you know that Paul didn't just receive a couple of like knights in the jail that were like, oh, let's lock him up and leave him there. Now, he was locked up, beaten with rods, it says. He was stoned and left for dead. Uh, he experienced the worst of the worst. And so when God says, you're going to have more difficulties ahead, Paul's already had a pretty good taste of what that's going to be like. And yet he says, I'm going to be faithful to go where you call me to go because I am willing to sacrifice for the cause of your son, Jesus Christ. Faithful to sacrifice. Verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I'm willing to give up everything. My life isn't valuable to me. Or if it is, it's not as valuable as what God's called me to do. I have a greater purpose in life. And that is to proclaim the gospel of his son. You know, it costs something to lead others. You always have to give something up in order to invest in others. Every investment costs something, but you believe the return is worth the investment. And Paul says, without a doubt, he knows that serving God is the greatest calling that he can have. It costs something to lead others. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Isn't it interesting that every leader in this room, 
Every leader in the church, Jesus says, before you lead, you must learn to follow me. Sacrifice, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a sacrifice to lead. Romans 12, 2 talks about making your bodies a living sacrifice. But one of the things that Paul in 2 Corinthians, I want to read a verse to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is another great description of what Paul means here when he says to sacrifice your life in order to lead others to Jesus. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. <clears throat> he says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that their surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And this is a powerful picture. If you think about pottery, it's a fragile thing, right? You drop a pot and it shatters. This happened in my house the other week. I dropped a, a, an unbreakable bowl, right? And it shattered into about a thousand pieces on the floor. Unbreakable. <laughs> Paul says, I'm not unbreakable. I'm a jar of, I'm a jar of clay. I'm a fragile person to show that the power that's working in me is not my own, but it's God's power. And he says, I give up all my own preferences in order to serve him. And I just consider myself a cracked pot, basically. You know, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. And I think that's our motivation when we think about why we are willing to sacrifice on his behalf. To give up the things we want to have as our own. To give up our personal comfort. To give up our safety. To give up our time as leaders. Because we know that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice, giving his very life in our place. When we deserve death, he took death upon himself for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice, and we are called to follow the example of the good shepherd. Which brings us to our next one, next point. Quality number five is a good leader in the church is faithful to care. A leader in the church is faithful to care. I love the metaphor that's used here uh, in verses, uh, verses 28 through 31. It says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It uses this metaphor of a shepherd with the flock. And in John chapter 10, we see Jesus is the good shepherd. But God says that you who are leaders in the church are shepherds under me. And you're caring for my flock. Caring for the flock, what does that look like? Not many of us have sheep. I actually have a sheep now. And I don't do a great job of caring for it, okay? (laughs) But what I'm told is people who get serious about having sheep is sheep are smelly, uneducated, obstinate, hard to take care of. And God says, pay careful attention to the flock. If you're a leader in the church, it doesn't matter what the people look like, smell like, act like, or do. You are called to care for the flock. Why? Because he sacrificed everything. Gave his own blood to purchase these sheep. So a good leader is faithful to care. What does caring look like? When we talk about caring, what does caring for the flock look like? Verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves. So... Here's a really important thing for leaders to realize. You can't lead others where you've never been yourself. And this is especially true in spiritual leadership. If you're trying to help others grow spiritually, but you're not growing spiritually, it doesn't work. You can't share with others what you don't already have. And so this is a word of encouragement, exhortation, caution, if you will, to any leader in the church that pay careful attention to yourself and your own growth, your own character. When we see the descriptions in in the book of Timothy of what an elder or a pastor is supposed to be like, it begins with character. 
And so God says, pay careful attention to yourself, first of all, and then care for the flock that is under your charge. So caring looks like caring for yourself, caring for the flock. Sometimes caring looks like protecting others from danger. You know, a shepherd has to protect sheep from wolves and other attackers. And here it says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. It's talking about false teachers. And from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Therefore, be alert. Leaders are called to care for the flock by being alert to any danger that might come up. By the way, even if you're saying, I'm not a leader here, you should still be alert. God calls us all as believers to be alert. Another thing that caring looks like is like giving. Verses 33 and 34, uh, he says it's uh, at the end of verse 34, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he's quoting Jesus' words there. So he says, sometimes caring for others looks like giving to them, giving of your time, giving of your resources. Signing up to be a leader, y'all, is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Faithful to care. One word for the flock. These are all words to leaders, but there's a word that goes right along this with this from Hebrews chapter 13. I want to read this. It says this, uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So again, I would just encourage you all, uh, think of your leaders, pray for your leaders, uh, and then also remember that encouragement as the flock uh, uh, to follow those words from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. So that's five of the qualities. But number six, the last one is Paul says he is faithful to endure. Faithful to endure. And that means not giving up. Persevering, pushing through whatever trials come. If you read through 2 Corinthians, you'll get a great description of the trials that Paul did have to endure. Faithful to endure. Verses 36 through 38. He says, I'm going all the way to the end. When he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. Notice again, prayer comes up. He prays with the elders. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him. Being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken that he would not they would not see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. You know, for Paul, he knew this leg of the journey was complete. This is the end of the road with the Ephesians. He says, I'm probably never going to see you again. This part of my journey is complete. But my journey is not done. Go back to verse 24. Back to verse 24. It says this. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is something he says, it's like he's running a race. Uh, 2 Timothy, I want to read some verses from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Talks about the same thing. He says this, for I, this is again Paul's parting words to Timothy. Uh, is at the end of Second Timothy, it says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, 
but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, Paul was faithful to endure, to finish and not give up. When we look at this text and Paul's talking to these elders, these leaders of the church, and he says, these are the qualities that you need to demonstrate as leaders. These are the things God calls you to. Leaders in the church will be faithful to serve, faithful to declare, faithful to go wherever God sends them, faithful to sacrifice, faithful to care, faithful to endure. But I would also suggest to you that not just leaders in the church can be described by this, but any follower of Jesus Christ can be described by that list of things. A faithful follower of Jesus Christ is faithful to serve, faithful to declare, faithful to go, faithful to sacrifice, faithful to care for others, faithful to endure. You know, as Paul and Jesus said, to be a leader, you must first be a follower. And these, this verse right here, Acts twenty twenty four. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God. And so I say to all the leaders here at Trinity Church, you might be in a position of leadership, you might be an elder, you might be in some other position. Maybe you're not a leader yet, but you might be down the road. I would invite you all, join me. Let's follow Jesus together and let's lead others to him. I think that's the message of this passage and that's the message of the book of Acts. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful word from your servant, Paul. God, the way he challenges us to lead others. God, I pray that we would all be leaders in this room. Lord, I pray a special blessing on those you've designated as leaders over this church. God, I pray you would give us faithful hearts to serve you as we serve others. And God, I just pray for your hand of protection over everyone, Lord, as we go out from here, that you would use us to powerfully multiply your love to other people. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.